Getting ready to take on spring? Make your first move with the reliable performance and power of steel tools. From hedge trimmers and mowers to string trimmers and more, right now you can save $20 on the steel MS-162 or MS-170 chainsaw. Real steel. Offer valid through June 30th, 2024. See participating retailer for details. Glad you're with us. Outkick 360 continues from 6th and Peabody with Yeehaw Beer, Old Smoky Moonshine, alongside Chad Withrow and Paul Koharski. I'm Jonathan Hutton. A lot to get to this hour. Headlines plus Quincy Carter, former Georgia quarterback, will join us in 20 minutes. Looking forward to uh, that chat as we preview the SEC championship, which comes up on Saturday afternoon. Georgia and Alabama. Where will Alabama be ranked? Third, fourth in the college football playoff following the four-overtime victory over Auburn. We'll find out tonight with the college football playoff rankings. Cincinnati is in as of right now. We know that much. Uh, what about their coach, Luke Fickle, and Notre Dame? That opening, now that Brian Kelly is the new head coach at LSU, he'll be officially announced tomorrow. He has landed in Baton Rouge today on the private jet, uh, taking over and taking the tour of all those facilities. But, uh, Chad, uh, there are multiple reports out there now, and uh, Dennis Dodd, I know, tweeted this out, that Fickle is the number one option for the Irish. Yeah, Dennis Dodd uh, uh, tweeted out, though, he said, uh, apparently Jack Swarbrick and, a- and Notre Dame will wait on Luke Fickle because he is apparently their number one choice. And he mentioned uh, having strong Catholic ties with Luke Fickle and a desire to get back into traditional Midwestern Catholic high schools in recruiting. Luke Fickle makes a ton of sense. Uh, makes almost too much sense for Notre Dame. That, that would be, to me, the no-brainer first call of an established head coach that's out there. Um, so that should not surprise anyone. You know, there's always not a risk, but there is an opportunity cost for waiting on any coach. You know, I, I thought this with Kirby Smart being a defensive coordinator when Georgia hired him and him staying mm. and sort of working both jobs. And I'm thinking, I'm of the belief when you take a job, you leave. If you're, especially if you're a coordinator, right? I mean, you don't stick around. Um, David Cutcliffe, in preparing for the 98 National Championship, left for Ole Miss. And Randy Sanders was the offensive coordinator in a national championship game for Tennessee. David Cutcliffe was great friends with Philip Fulmer at the time. I don't blame him. When you take a head coaching job, you leave. You go, you embed, you get on the road recruiting, you hire your staff, you get to work for that next job because there's so much money at play and so much at stake. So there's a little bit of, uh, again, a cost to waiting on a coach who's going to be in the playoff. But, I mean, that also endears you to Luke Fickle if you're Notre Dame, that he wouldn't you know, just bail on his team when they're getting ready for everything they've worked on. And if you're Luke Fickle, you absolutely want to stay and see this thing through at Cincinnati if you've got a shot at the college oh, no. football playoff. So, uh, I mean, he, I, I think you, you stay if you're him as a head coach. But, um, again, Notre Dame willing to wait on Luke Fickle. Don't blame them. That's not always how it goes. Quick aside, uh, uh, ugly, unfortunate headline from ESPN. Former UCF running back Otis Anderson Jr. shot and killed at his parents' home, and his father's been charged with first-degree murder. So, wow. obviously, some details uh, I, there to be unfold. Uh, I, I, I read. I actually read the police report on this, and uh, uh, shout out to Meg Turner with Outkick 
who uh, is down in Orlando and covers UCF, I think she's the first one to get the police report and report on this. Um, his father, there was a dispute over a dog bite that apparently Otis Anderson Jr.'s girlfriend, excuse me, his girlfriend brought a dog in the house. The dog attacked Otis Anderson Sr., bit him, and then they had to be separated at one point. Uh, Sr. went to the, the garage. There was another fight because he flipped over a recliner in the house, and then he comes back out of the garage. There's a, uh, an argument, no, no you know, fist thrown or anything, and then gunshots, and he killed his son in the kitchen. And his wife received a lot of wounds from bullet grazes. So there were multiple bullets fired at his son over a fight that started because of Otis Anderson Jr.'s girlfriend's dog biting the dad. Very sad story. Crazy. Yeah, that's, that's terrible. I actually saw this for the first time because Danny White, uh, who was his athletic director at UCF, tweeted his prayers for the family saying he was a legend in Orlando and with that program and at school. So a terrible story uh, out of Jacksonville is where this took place. Hit us up on Twitter at Outkick360. Uh, one, and, and, and again, Quincy Carter joins us in 15 minutes. One big change this offseason, well, this season slash offseason, compared to where we were 12 months ago. You can rewind at 24, uh, go back three or four years if you want. The, the offseason uh, shift in the money spent for coaches. Auburn wasn't spending this. Tennessee wasn't spending this type of money. Miami and Florida State didn't spend this type of money whenever they had openings. And now look at these contracts and, I mean, it is just... We haven't heard any buyout talk. Like, buyouts haven't been a factor. We were talking about a $28 million buyout that would have been no concern. Who was that? Matt Campbell. Yeah, and and, I mean... uh, the, the talk there was like somebody was willing – if and that was, was their the, guy, they were going to pay it. He was the number two choice at USC, according to the L.A. Times, and they were willing to pay the buyout. That, that's why, like, uh, I know a lot of Tennessee fans are like, oh, $8 million buyout for Heupel. That is chump change right now in college well, football. Well, was part of it last year, the lack of financing, maybe that those programs had suffered a little um, loss in the moment from COVID? Um, and from lack of crowds and stuff, their yeah, finances Manny may Diaz have been has been down. there for a bit at Miami. Like my, my point there, and, and Florida State's gone through a couple of coaches recently. Um, they're just not spending at this at this high rate. Auburn is a great example with Harson. What do you think they're thinking right now with all the coaches in the West? Auburn also reached out to uh, Billy Napier last year. And yeah, he, that's he a good turned, point. He turned them down. So I mean, that that may have been their first choice. What did Florida pay Napier? I have not seen that. I haven't either. Uh, that's the one contract that I have not seen surface. I'm sure it's out there by now. Well, and I, I'm just looking at the openings from last year. I, we can point to Tennessee as an example. You know, Tennessee was willing to go to seven million, seven to eight million to hire James Franklin. They just weren't going to go to nine. Yeah, and that that's what's being now. That's the Lincoln Riley. You know that you're approaching Lincoln Riley Brian Kelly territory for James Franklin. Instead, Two. they go pay what four? I think with uh, bonuses. Josh Heupel probably makes 4.2. I'm seeing $2 million a year over five years, including a $3 million buyout. I mean, he's No, he's that's what cheap. he was getting paid at Lafayette. That's what he was getting paid. Yeah, that's a Lafayette contract you're reading right there. That's not Florida money. They're paying $12 million for Mullen not to coach. They're not going to turn around and then give their head coach $2 million at Florida. Lafayette was I, – I, Louisiana was paying him that much. 
But I mean, you look at the you out. look at you know Tennessee, who's they they're trying to uh, and they're <clears> sticking with this to negate the buyout uh, for a four cause firing for their previous head coach. But they've got money going to buyouts for multiple other coaches. I mean, I don't know that that played a factor. I think that Josh Heupel in the end was just the best coach they could have hired. So they paid what he was, you know, probably what he's worth at the time, which is around $4 million and not some extravagant contract. But does, did that factor in with Tennessee last year? It's certainly not factoring in with these other schools. Here's another thing with LSU. This whole Title IX lawsuit's not factoring in with them. No, but LSU doesn't care about all that. Look, I mean, they've told us that by what they've done with basketball. No, they, they don't care about it, but this is legitimate money at stake that they're being sued over. Now, that must mean they feel pretty good about their case. It's got to. But this is a lot, a lot, a lot of money. This is not a coaching buyout. This is not a Matt Campbell $28 million buyout. This is a earth-shattering type lawsuit that if they're found liable for everything, they're not going to be able to afford to pay Brian Kelly. I don't say that to frighten LSU fans. I say that to say they clearly have a plan and feel like they're not going to pay well, I think as much as they could. A great sign that that's the case is Brian Kelly just took the job. He yeah, would also he be vetting been. the program. Like there, there's a reason why now's the time for Lincoln Riley to go to USC. They're not facing the stuff they were facing over the last decade as a program. At USC. That's yeah. what I'm saying. Yeah. That, that, yeah. Like if, if LSU were about to go through some financial struggles – Brian Kelly's not bolting Notre Dame for the Tigers. Well, you would think not, but I mean, coaches have been surprised before. Um, you know, Lane Kiffin was told things by USC that, hey, it's not going to be that bad. You know, don't worry about it. The sanctions aren't going to be that bad. Pete Carroll didn't leave here to go to the NFL because he's afraid of it. We got it under control, and he got them. He's talked about this openly. He said, I would not have taken the job if I knew the sanctions were as bad as they were and things were going to go the way they were. I'd still be the head coach of Tennessee if I knew it was going to be that bad. So schools can do a good job with a sales pitch also. It's not a good way to start a relationship, though. That's for sure. Well, in the end, the relationship with USC and Lane Kiffin was USC firing them on a tarmac and not letting them fly back with the team. So I don't think they really cared about their no. relationship. <laughs> no. They no, would have cared about the relationship had the he won more. Yeah, you care about it at the beginning. Right. If it's based on some fibs. So is, is Oklahoma going with Brent Venables? Or is that report just... That he's on a list. I, I, I saw some local reporters on boots on the ground last night in Oklahoma, um, and the tweets are still up, saying that Brent Venables is the is the guy uh, in in Oklahoma. And I, I, I assumed if, it were, if that was the case last night, I assumed it would be announced today. But I have not seen that. Yeah, I, I, I don't think there's anything firm out there that, that says he's the guy. There's a lot of stuff that's firm that says he's one of the guys. I'm looking right now at odds, Vegas betting odds on the next Oklahoma coach. Uh, Brent Venables is the favorite at plus 250. Second on the list is Lane Kiffin at plus 500. I've seen Cristobal's name. I feel like you could Matt Campbell at plus 600. Vegas, you know, I feel like Vegas could put plus 500 on Kiffin at practically any Power 5 job. And put it at uh, Notre Dame also. Because I also wonder, too, how they set these odds because it's different than what they would do on game day. You know, they've got all these algorithms and computer models that tell them how to set a spread, which is almost, you know, the computer is dead on accurate out there. I wonder what the model looks like for these coaches and how they pair up the coaching trees to connections with ADs. 
and how much that factors into odds making. It's yeah. a whole different. There's deal. always a big. Where is Shane Beamer on that? For inside information like that, they where was Shane Beamer on this? Uh, I don't know that he was on the list that I just saw. I've, I've taken it down. I'm not sure. <laughs> See, I think there would be good money on that. Here's uh, why Brent Venables. Can I ask the obvious? I understand the relationship with Oklahoma. No, this relationship with Bob Stoops. Well, the, and yes, Bob Stoops, and, and he spent time under Bob Stoops at Oklahoma, but a coordinator? I understand he's been around the game a long time and he's rumored at all these other jobs, but Oklahoma, they, look, they had success with Bob Stoops as a defensive coordinator at Florida when he took the job. They obviously, Bob Stoops had success naming his successor with Lincoln Riley. I understand the pattern. But it's Oklahoma. You can go get a proven head coach. And if I'm hiring Brent Venables, I'm making damn sure he's got his plan together for offense. Any defensive coach. I want to know who is your offensive coordinator, what is your system, because Oklahoma made their bread on offense under Lincoln Riley and really under Bob Stoops in the last years of his tenure there. It was offense, offense, offense. So I want to know what star – in the making, are you bringing in to lead the offense? How's that going to work? I, I just, I don't do backflips over Brent Venables, if that's the name in Oklahoma. But he seems to be a guy that everyone in coaching immediately goes to. Well, we haven't heard his name anywhere beside Oklahoma during all of these openings. Was he on any lists, even at the back well, end, the, for any of these big openings? The, the, the tie I've seen, and this goes back to last night with the reports uh, out of Norman, and, on, and again, I... I apologize for not uh, screenshotting these, was Venables was going to be the head coach and they were bringing Jeff Levy with him to be the offensive. That would be great. That was the pairing. Um, And he's currently at Ole Miss. That was the pairing um, that everyone was connecting Venables to. It is a package deal. Levy would go with him to Oklahoma and there's your your two coaches. I love it. And if Lane Kiffin left Ole Miss, I said this to Ellie, our intern yesterday, the Ole Miss grad, I I would look at Jeff Levy to just elevate and and hire at Ole Miss if if Kiffin were to leave. Uh, I would absolutely look at that. Here's another name that we haven't seen in any of these jobs. Greg Schiano. Gee, I wonder where Dan Wolken and Pete Thamel and everyone is with Greg Schiano because everyone was told that he was a no-brainer. They're not going to mention him because he has a job. He's a head coaching job in college football now. So they've done they've done his bidding for him. They don't have to get him. They don't back have in. to mention. They his don't name. have to. They don't. They, he's got the job that he wants, so they don't have to sell for shill yeah. for him and his agent anymore. They're, yeah, they've done that. Now it's time for him to feed them information about the program that no one cares. That's about. why when I see a um, you know Matt Campbell's name pop up at all these jobs, I think well that's legitimate. He's a head coach that clearly doesn't want to just take any job. He's not just pushing his name out there to get elevated somewhere. That's a legitimate reporting job. But when you see some of these others, you think, okay, these, someone is in someone's pocket and wants to get elevated. Coming up, Quincy Carter joins us. The former Georgia QB is on Outkick 360 next. Glad you're with us for this Tuesday edition of Outkick 360 from 6th and Peabody, downtown Nashville, alongside Chad Withrow and Paul Koharski. I'm Jonathan Hutton with Yeehaw Beer and Old Smoky Moonshine. Looking forward to going to Atlanta this weekend. Outkick the tailgate will be live in the ATL for the SEC Championship. Georgia and Alabama this Saturday afternoon. 
We'll have further details on that broadcast later this week. 360 will also be there on Friday. And uh, looking forward to a great matchup. Looking forward to our next guest, Quincy Carter, former Georgia quarterback, joins us on Outkick 360. Quincy, appreciate the time, man. How you doing? I'm great, man. Great. Thanks for having me, buddy. A- absolutely. Uh, your thoughts on number one Georgia. What, what has it been like watching this team evolve this year and take care of, of, of any challenge that's come their way? And the next one is the one we've all been waiting for. Man, I'll be honest with you, man. The, the coolest part has been, you know, watching my buddy uh, Kirby Smart, man, really engineer this team, uh, be the leader that he's always known to be. Uh, it's an honor, man, just watching him. You know, I was a freshman at Georgia, and uh, it was Kirby's senior year. And I can just remember flashing back to that uh, that LSU game down there in Baton Rouge. We were 4-0, I think, ranked in the top 10 for the first time in a long time. And, uh, and Kirby, man, how excited he was about me being at the ham, but then at the same time, is don't lose us this damn game. <laughs> so, 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 man, his energy, man, is just pouring out through that program right now. And I'm just excited for him and the rest of the Bulldogs. How would you rate Kirby's athletic ability as a safety <laughs> at Georgia? Man, listen, what, what are we going on? One to ten? Yeah, one. To, let's go one to ten. I, man, listen, and he'll attest to this. I'm only going to give him a six. But now awareness and getting to the football, he blows you out the water. I, well, hell, uh, he's about a 12 on awareness of getting to that football, but <laughs> I think he's still our uh, interception leader in, in Georgia history, right? If you said it, it's true. Whatever you say, Quincy, okay. we'll go with it. If it's about Georgia, <laughs> we'll right. take your word for it, sure. Hey, so while we're talking about Kirby Smart, we, we've been having the discussion the last two days with all the coaching movement across college football, and we see it every year, but uh, a big money's going around right now in college football for these coaches. Uh, the lack, Bob Stoops went back to Oklahoma to be the interim and said, hey, I'm a program guy. And we said, there's not many of those left. Uh, mm-hmm. you've, Georgia's got one. What, what's it like having a, a guy at, at your university who is a program guy as the head coach? And at least you feel as though he's not going anywhere. Well, it feels great. And uh, I know Kirby's heart. You know, uh, I know the mindset of Kirby. You know, he's always wanted that job to be uh, the head coach at the University of Georgia, man. So it really feels good. And then, I mean, let's be honest, you know, even when we're an 8-4, and 9-3 team and during the regular season, we're still a, a, a top-five program that any coach in America wants to coach at. So I feel good about where Kirby's at. Quincy Carter, our guest, does being the big favorite make you nervous as a Bulldogs fan? Uh, you know something? Not really, man, because because of the mindset of this football team. I never forget, you know, I was uh, I was on Facebook and after we beat Vanderbilt, uh, we beat them handily, didn't play around with them and uh, and knocked them out in the park in the first quarter. And I, and I put out a, a Facebook post, and I said, man, that was a very impressive win. And everybody, oh, man, it was Vanderbilt. It was Vanderbilt. But I seen the team's mindset from that game, and I said, man, these boys are on to something special. 
it, it's so much it has to do with recruiting too and I mean you you know that at Georgia you know the talent in that state Quincy um and you knew pretty quickly when Kirby Smart got there boy this is going to be different the level at which Georgia now is going to compete in recruiting with you know, Alabama and Nick Saban or LSU and whoever they have coaching or Florida and whoever they have uh, it happened pretty quickly where the the tide turned fast in terms of getting those top recruiting classes at Georgia, and that's ultimately what it's going to take to win to get win the first national championship since 1980. Definitely, and not only getting the uh, the best guys you know out the country to come to Georgia, but then uh, doing what Nick Saban has been pretty good at the last ten years is keeping the guys there. You know, keeping five-star recruits, four-star recruits behind the starters, and they're waiting their turn, you know, to go out and, and perform and get their shot at winning a national championship and then, you know, ultimately uh, getting to the next level, to the NFL, man. So Kirby's got the um, – he's got the magic. You know, he's got the key to Georgia. He can sell Georgia uh, more than anybody we've ever had, you know, I guess besides uh, Vince Dooley, you know. So he's got the key, man, and the magic touch. Jonathan mentioned Georgia's big favorites here. I I, I think well, we all collectively – All season. Uh, yeah, yeah. But in this game, only six and a half. Uh, and I know, you know, Alabama's got a tremendous resume over the last, you know, long time. But it seems to me Georgia's significantly better than Alabama this year more so than six-and-a-half points. What do you think about that heading into this game? Well, I, you know, I'm in the mindset of Kirby Smart every week, so I wouldn't care what the point spread is, to be honest with you, man. As long as we lead at uh, that Georgia Dome with a victory in the SEC championship and getting ready, you know, to um, – to getting ready for the, uh, the the college playoffs, man. I don't care if we win by half a point, and that's not even possible. <laughs> Co- company man, company man. I'll translate that for everyone. He thinks they should be favored by double digits. <laughs> <laughs> Quincy, you you I know you work with quarterbacks now. Uh, you, you've got a, a yes. quarterback school, and and you're working with them. I, I want you to talk about that, but also I, I'm always fascinated to talk with quarterbacks from different eras. You know, you're playing in the '90s, late '90s in college. The quarterback position has really evolved from that point on where quarterbacks do a lot more. And you played in one era, and now you get to work with quarterbacks who are playing in a different era. When you're working with these quarterbacks, do you think, man, with my skill set, some of these offenses would be perfect for for Quincy Carter in 2021? And how do you translate that with these young quarterbacks? You know something? The the game uh, has changed. uh, The quarterback position is a very unique position uh, where we're at. Well, at, at this point, where we're asking guys to get the ball out of their hands quick, maybe run some uh, some read option game. Um, but I translated back to me honestly being um, being at Southwest Cab in Decatur, Georgia, running a little bit of uh, the option game from the wing tee. Then we would go three, four wide. Uh, one of my uh, mentors and uh, best friend, big brother, Steve Davenport, came from uh, Ralph Friedrich School uh, from Georgia Tech and brought over, you know, the spread out uh, offensive game where we were counting six and seven guys in the box, whether we would pass or run. Uh, so, you know, right now, really, to be honest with you, the read option really is the veer option from the shotgun. 
So that's what guys are running. Uh, so, you know, I've been able to adapt, you know, really learn the nuances of it. Uh, but really, man, it really comes down to when I'm talking about championship ball, high school, college, and the pros, you win that championship from the pocket. You know, so having your base fundamentals, you know, making sure you're, you're, you're having a short stride, right thumb and left pocket, bringing your back half, your hips are open when you're throwing anything, anything to the back side of you, um, being able to protect the ball, get out the pocket, knowing how to throw on the run. Those basic fundamentals haven't changed. Uh, we're just running different offenses and getting the ball out your hand a little bit quicker uh, than we used to do back in the day. But, you know, those basic fundamentals, man, that I'm pouring into my guys, man, uh, like the likes of Frank Harris down there, UTSA, man, who's had a great season, man. You know, it all comes down to throwing in that pocket, you know, uh, your pre-snap reads, man, and it's all about winning third downs and, uh, and how well you play in the fourth quarter. Who's your favorite quarterback right now, Quincy, currently playing? Right now, I'm biased because it's my guy Frank Harris from UTSA that I personally train. Hey, now Stetson Bennett, no knock, you know. <laughs> hey, let's go win. Hey, let's go win this football game and and win a national championship. But I'm a little biased, man, because of the guy uh, I know Frank Harris is. Uh, you know him going out and leading this team to an 11 and one record. You know, uh, and just all the pressure he's dealt with down there at, uh, at a you know much smaller school, man. But uh, but Frank Harris, that's my top guy. When when you got drafted in the second round by the Cowboys, 53rd overall, the, the thing I remember about your time in Dallas was the unflinching support you got from from Jerry Jones. Uh, he's in a unique position as kind of owner GM there, but you were very much his guy. Talk us through your memories of what it was like, what it meant to have the owner loving you to that degree and supporting you to that degree. You had some tough times there, and fans were, I'm sure, on you. But the owner stood really firmly in your corner. Man, it meant the world to me, man. Uh, and people always ask me that, you know, uh, about Jerry, what kind of guy he was, why is he always getting in the way of his football team. But I'll tell you this, man. Jerry Jones cares about his football team as much as anybody who owns any company in America, man. And he wants to know the ins and outs of everything. Hell, what the cheerleaders are doing, what the marketing team is doing, what the people who's printing out the schedule, whatever it is or whatever job it is, man. But to have his support, it meant the world to me. It meant the world to my family. He was great to us. Uh, he was hell was almost like a dad to me, man. Um, and shoot, you know, to be honest with you, man, I'm a straight shooter, man. I, I felt like I let him down uh, when I when I failed that test. And um, he had to, you know, make a company decision, man. But hey, man, Jerry's always been in my corner and uh, I, it's not a bad thing I could say about him. You Quincy. know, he, he, he drafted me. To, he drafted me to be the quarterback of America's team. What would have happened if you would have not gone to baseball and you would have gone to Georgia Tech? You think about that? <laughs> Who are you going to do with my Georgia fans like that? <laughs> man, <laughs> you, man, you know something wild. Thinking in hindsight, man, uh, I know I would have been in a tough quarterback battle with uh, with Joe Hamilton, who uh, was a dang good quarterback there, man. But you know something? Uh, 
I don't know, maybe win a, a, a baseball national championship too, playing mm -hmm. baseball. And, um, hey, we, we would have made some noise because, hell, you've seen what um, – uh, God, how can I forget his name? Uh, the head coach at the time at Georgia Tech. I, all my Georgia folks don't even want me to remember his name anyway. But, uh, um, but uh, yeah, man, we would have made uh, O'Leary? Uh, Was it George O'Leary at the time? George O'Leary. Yeah. Yep. Sorry about that, coach. Sorry about that, coach. But we would have definitely made some noise. And, uh, hell, we had a great baseball class coming in, too. What was the – I don't know if pressure is the right word, but when you decided to go to Georgia – and Georgia Tech contested that, what was the weight like? What was the feeling like? I nearly said pressure um, as you're waiting on the NCAA to rule whether or not that was going to be allowed. Well, honestly, we we got the, the decision before everybody, you know, knew about um, so there was whether no or not way. it was going. No, it wasn't no way for me because I wouldn't have left baseball that early. Okay. Uh, so we already knew the decision. Uh, Georgia Tech, I think, was protesting it yes. um, a little bit harder. But uh, but we already had gotten a decision on it. And so that's why I went on and went to school uh, in that, that March of 98, uh, thinking I could actually play spring ball. And so, uh, so that's what happened. I wasn't able to play spring ball, which was a bummer. And so I went back to baseball that summer and then came back for the, uh, for the start of fall practice. Quincy, was it your time with the Gulf Coast Cubs, the Rockford Cubbies, or the Daytona Cubs that zapped your love of baseball <laughs> and made you decide that I'm going to go play football again? Which one of those stops along the way and, and all those bus trips made you say to yourself, you know, I, I, I think I might want to go to college? Well, it, it, was, the, it was the Rockford bus trips. <laughs> and, then, and then also it was all those pitchers throwing uh, 3-0 uh, curveballs and change-ups for strikes, and I'm sitting up waiting up on a four-seam <laughs> fastball, and they're throwing me a curveball on three and oh. So a combination of that. Quincy Carter, I guess you can follow him on Twitter at Quincy L. Carter. Uh, motivational speaking uh, is also in the bio for you now. Um, is it pretty much the same message or do you, are you switching this up on a daily basis? Like what, give, us, give us the theme of Quincy Carter on stage or in front of a room full of kids and a, and a team and, and what you're wanting to get across to them. Well, well, first of all, man, I'm letting God lead me and letting his will uh, come through my words to these kids, uh, first and foremost. But, man, the main two things I'm hitting on you know, is, um, is is messing around with that marijuana and leading you, you know, down the, the wrong path. We've got a generation right now who's being told marijuana is legal, but in our profession, marijuana is not legal. In any, you know, job setting and, uh, and, and anything uh, you're trying to be great at, marijuana cannot play a part in your life. And I let them know how Marijuana led to cocaine, heavy drinking, lost relationships. And what, you know, I, I basically tell them, man, shoot, I've done all the stupidity for you to show you what will happen if you uh, if you let these things come a part of your life. And then the second thing, man, I'm harping on, man, is education, man, and getting a degree. You know, no matter, you know, how good you think you are, that your life is going to be set you know, with a 10, 12 year career in sports and you never know, man, uh, what, you know, what things or, uh, 
or or, or path or will of, of the will of God, man, that, you know, he has on your life, man. So get your education, man. And, you know, uh, the one of the uh, most key things I talk about also, too, man, is listening to your parents, especially these younger kids, man. They're, they're on these phones. We got all these devices that they're, you know, learning from now. And uh, and your parents, man, has is, is got the, you know, intuition of what really life lessons are, man. So a combination of all those things and then gaining a relationship with God is really the uh, – really the subjects, man, that I'm hitting on hard. And like I say, man, when I walk into a room, sometimes I have things written down. And then, man, sometimes I just let the uh, the will of God just speak through me. Quincy Carter, our guest. Uh, how are you doing now with everything? I'm doing great, man. You know, I made a decision two and a half years ago. Uh, I actually uh, went to rehab up in, uh, up in here in Austin. And I uh, went to BRC Recovery, uh, you know, a good yeah. friend of mine's mentor, uh, sponsor, Hollywood Henderson. I uh, had a buddy of his, Marsha Stone. And, man, I, you know, I've been battling with this uh, drug addiction for almost about 12, 13 years now, in and out, five, six months here clean, uh, nine months here clean. Uh, and man, I just made a decision. I surrendered to God. I surrendered the pro, uh, to the pro, uh, 12 steps program. And man, I'm just living a life of recovery. So much friend, all my relationships with my family is coming back, man. I'm living God's will, speaking and, and pouring into these kids lives. Uh, I'm actually an alumni coordinator right now at BRC recovery, uh, manage sober homes, in addition, you know, to getting out here with these quarterbacks, man. So I'm just letting God use me, man, saving lives off the field, you know, trying to keep these uh, young men on the straight and narrow, man, and just letting God lead my life. Be honest. How, how happy were you that Michigan knocked off Ohio State so Georgia doesn't have to face them in the field? Get out of here. We're not scared of nobody. No, I, I wouldn't care. I wanted Ohio State, too. I got a good butt. I got a few buddies of mine from uh, from the state of Ohio who I go back and forth with on Facebook, too. Uh, but I wanted Ohio State. But, hey, but now it's the Michigan crowd. Me and Ray Jackson, actually, we go. are real good friends. He lives in Austin. And, oh, boy, you should hear these conversations <laughs> I've had to hear the last couple of days. Ray Jackson <laughs> of the Fab Five. Ray Jackson yes, from Michigan. Ray, yep, okay. Ray Jackson I was making sure Fab, we had the same Ray Jackson. Guy. That's awesome. Heck yeah. That's my dude. Hey, good to see you're doing well, Quincy. Yeah, absolutely. And uh, Thank ho- you, buddy. Ho- I appreciate it. We, hopefully this is not the last time we have you on the show. This was excellent. We love chatting. And uh, who knows? Maybe we'll have you on to recap the SEC title or the it, it, who, the national championship game. Maybe you can come back on for Heck that as yeah. well. All right. Hey, let's do Thanks. it again. Get me on here so I can brag. It's been 40 <laughs> years. <laughs> Definitely. We'll do it. We'll do it. Hey, thank you, Quincy. Thank you. We, we like braggers on this show. Yeah, absolutely. We're, we're fine with braggers. I, I love Go the ahead. answer. He's like, come on. What, you think I'm scared of anyone? <laughs> Quincy's not ducking anyone. No. But I'm not afraid of Ohio Quincy State. Carter. It's a good Bring story. It on. He's got a good story. Absolutely. Uh, last quarterback before the Ricked era, if I'm getting that right, because there was – we didn't get to this, but the – remember the junior year, all the talk about him and David Green? At that was quarterback? D- uh, I'm pretty sure it was David Green. Uh, DJ Shockley? Because he was with the – so – Maybe they crossed over for a year. I think it was one year because he left and went pro 
with the Cowboys. Yeah, so David Green, maybe David Green redshirted. David Green, I believe four-year starter at Georgia. I know his first year because I was in the building for the Hobnell boot game in Knoxville, oh, yeah. and he was a true freshman in 01. I forgot about that. And I that. know that Quincy Carter was with the Cowboys in, in 01. 01. So I think... 01 was his, first, his draft. Yeah, and he yeah. was a junior. He left early. Yeah, he so left they early. may have crossed over. He could have come back with David Green, but left. David Green takes over as a freshman, beats Tennessee in the Hobnell boot game, and does uh, very well. I still believe one of the wow. all-time winningest quarterbacks, maybe the all-time winningest quarterback in Georgia Who history. Who am I confusing Quincy Carter with the year before that played quarterback for Dallas on a Christmas or Christmas Eve game against the Titans? It was 2000, and it's when the Titans clinched the number one defensive ranking over the You're Ravens. Right. That was a big deal to the Ravens. Tony Siragusa was pissed. And it was a, 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 a Dallas quarterback that struggled, that played really poorly. And we'll it was it right up. before Quincy Carter. We'll but I was up. thinking it was Quincy Chad's, Carter. Chad's, uh, um, it um, may have been Quincy Carter. It wasn't, though, because it was the year before, and I've looked at Quincy Carter's game by game, and he didn't oh, play Christmas, Christmas Eve or Christmas Day here. I'm looking over I can't right believe now. I can't remember. All right, I'm so uh, bad with stuff like that. Randall Cunningham? Was on the 2000? No. Dallas Cowboys? No, I'm, I'm with Paul on this one because I thought it was Quincy Carter, too. That was the coldest I've ever been at a yeah, sporting event. Cold. There was hot chocolate freezing that Anthony night. Wright. That's there it. Oh. Anthony Wright from South Carolina. Dean. Anthony Wright. Right? Wasn't Anthony Wright a South Carolina yeah. Gamecock? He was really bad. How about Quincy Carter? Tony Siragusa was pissed off at... Uh, is, is Ray Jackson the least known member of the Fab Five that he's yes. friends with? Well, they also had Jimmy t- King. Also, I mean, they that's a also tie had those two. Tony Banks there for a little while in Dallas it was because Anthony Quincy Wright, Carter yeah. had to beat because this was right after Aikman retired. Yes, and they had he, nobody. Yeah. Wow, this is going back a ways. Anthony Wright. That was a, that was a huge night for the Titans. They shut him out, I think, and they held him to like forty-one yards or something. It was it was an atrocious performance by the Cowboys. It just made me think. How, how did? Uh, uh, oh gosh, Steve. Is it Steve Tannehill? From South Carolina yes. with the mullet? How yes. did that guy never make it in the NFL? It was Steve Tanny. It was Tanny. Tanny. No, it was Tanny Hill. It was more than just Tanny. No. <laughs> you're confusing that with everyone hey, who calls him. Trust you're, you're, me, you're Ryan Tanny Hill. Chad, trust me. Read those mullets, okay? He knows He knows the names of these men who sported these it's mullets. It's Steve Tanny Hill. It's T-A-N-E-Y-H-I-L. You're confused with Alex Tanny. Let's take this fight off the end. Yeah, we will. I'm looking at him right we'll now. box it out. Hutton, no, everyone you, wants to hear this confirm? argument. Can you confirm? Hutton. Tannehill? Steve Tannehill. Yes. Steve Tannehill. Well, I mean, just because the internet says it doesn't hey, make it so, does the it? Mullet, the mullet confirmed Steve Tannehill. <laughs> hey, got it done. Now Stay we, we got to get him on the show because he's also a quarterback coach. <laughs> Maybe he wants to plug it. <laughs> there we go. We'll, we'll go back and forth. Coach with the T18. At Coach T18. <laughs> More Covey with Outkick 360. about to slide in his DMs. Some rapid fire headlines. Uh, Outkick 360, shout out to Quincy Carter. Great visit there. Uh, thanks as well to Glenn Gilbo from Outkick.com and John McClain from uh, the Houston Chronicle for joining us, TexasSportsNation.com. If you missed a portion of the show, it's always available on podcasts wherever you download your podcast. We invite you to search out Outkick 360. Um, uh, buy or sell, buy or not buying, however you guys want to answer. Buy and sell is, uh, you know... A, a show topic on every show across America, uh, but just including Tradio, uh, including Tradio, <laughs> buy, sell, or trade. We're not uh, allowed to, <laughs> um, to sell chickens. Tiger Woods is done as a professional full-time golfer. 
buying or selling after what he had to say he today. certainly sounded today i i watched I most him. of the press conference i i think he's he's probably finished he came back from the knee injury and he said this has just been completely different and far more challenging he said he's going to do some things here and there i think the the expectation would be a limited professional yeah. golf uh participant in like the ben hogan but ben hogan but, was 36 when he went through something like but he this. admitted he's like look i'm lucky to be alive like it, it, and, he, and not he spoke for the first and have time a limb. Thing. Yeah, and, and that's a bummer. Um, but imagine, think about how all that came together and how we saw him win the Masters. That, Chad, you were there. I was there that's to come the back from everything, win the Masters, and now hold a press conference today, effectively not announcing his retirement from golf, but effectively saying. You're not going to see me back on the telling tour. us. Don't get your hopes up. Yeah. The thing to me about the I, press I totally conference buy what was he's saying he's, he he's said, being honest with he us. He said how big that Masters is now in hindsight yeah. because his kids got to see that yes. and his kids know him yeah. more for being injured than for golfing. So they got to see that one moment at the end of his career, playing to that peak as opposed to rehabbing from back and knee. And they asked him at the press conference. Are you hurting right now? And he said, oh, yeah, my back and my leg hurt right now. Uh, and, I, and we mentioned I, I was there in 2019. Doesn't it feel like it was a lot longer than 2019? It Tiger three time. Or four years ago. Tiger two time, years ago. It feels like a decade. I mean, two ago. years and obviously a number of months, but still. Um, feels like it was, you know, 2015 that happened. Two others. Uh, number uh, first, Urban Meyer, we, we touched on this earlier, says he's not interested in any college jobs. I am not buying that. Because I Notre think, Dame is different than every college job for Urban Meyer. I think it's totally possible he's interested. Are they interested? They prefer that to I Luke mean, Fickle. Uh, how how could you not? Unless be based you're on his just track going with sports. like some sort of Luke mor- Fickle morality card, how would you not be interested right. in Urban Meyer if you're Notre Dame? Uh, from just a success in college standpoint? Maybe there's a, we want to go younger. We want to turn the page. Sure. We want to invent our own guy instead of having somebody that's that's done it elsewhere. Well, and the positioning, I, I think the message right now across major college football, all of these, we, we went through all the brands. And you can buy if, if you believe brands still exist or not. Uh, maybe they do, maybe they don't in recruiting. But they do for these brands that are spending the big money on their head coach right now. And the, the brands that were open... All of them are speaking volumes by saying we are going in with this college football playoff expansion and loading up on the best possible coach and staff to prepare us to win titles. I mean, look at the SEC West and the names of the the the, the strong coaches just in the West alone. USC's now immediately in the mix with Lincoln Riley. They're going to have the top quarterback follow every year. Um, Nobody's holding back. With that in mind, Notre Dame should include Urban Meyer on that list. Well, I'm not saying I would hire him. You want to talk about about brands and what Brian Kelly was able to do at Notre Dame? Notre Dame's got the fourth best recruiting class in the country right now. They're only behind Georgia, Alabama, and Texas A&M. And and on top of that, not even discussing who he may bring with him, the five-star quarterback that LSU already has committed, number two on his list was Brian Kelly in Notre Dame. Well, so he's not going yeah. anywhere. Hey, by the way, top 10 in recruiting rankings, you tell me which one is not like the other in this top 10. Georgia, Alabama, Texas A&M, Notre Dame, Penn State, Ohio State, Texas, North Carolina, there you go. Oregon, Clemson. The media's fault. Mac Brown continuing to do some uh, good uh, recruiting. I'll work. say one, thing, uh, one other thing about Urban real quickly. Yeah. Like, we all thought he was dead in Jacksonville after what he went through. 
and he mm-hmm. pulled out of it. I, I know there's no loyalty anymore. Nope. But that owner <clears throat> has been pretty damn good to him. Final thing, uh, RG3 promises to expose Daniel Snyder and the Washington football team in a tell-all book. Let's go. I don't buy it. I, I don't know. I, I think Robert Griffin III is too nice to do this. Well, here's the this thing. This is book promotion. <laughs> I, I don't think I'm going to learn anything that's going to make Daniel Snyder not be the, the, the owner of the Washington Most football Most of what team. was going on is up in the front office with where women are involved. Women aren't very involved in the day-to-day life of Robert Griffin in the locker room. He could have hung out his with book, His book, by the way, is entitled Surviving Washington. It's <laughs> a good title. Snappy. <laughs> uh, we're back at it tomorrow on Outkick 360. Abraham Lincoln couldn't write that. <laughs> Don't block the box. Do lock the locks.